Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bobby Marks spent 20 years in the Nets front office, but boy, he wasn't responsible at all for what the hell just happened. So we're not going to hold that against him. He's nice enough to join us here on Damon and Ratto. He's ESPN's NBA front office insider. And Bobby, boy, do we have an awful lot to ask you about and hopefully we can pick your brain and use your experience to talk us through a timeline and a sequence of events that you know spun the Warriors around as they got rid of a player that they weren't playing because they couldn't use him they bring in a player who they hope to play because they like him but because of medicals they can't use him either it's been pretty interesting out here Bobby how are you? I'm good guys how are you? Excellent. Thank you so much. So let's just start with this. You're Bob Myers. The second you get the news that Gary Payton II failed his physical, what's your first move? Are you on the phone with your team? Are you on the phone with Portland? Are you on the phone with the NBA and Adam Silver and the powers that be because you think you were done wrong or deceived in some way? Talk us through what Bob Myers' afternoon might have looked like. Yeah, I think you're probably you're probably on the phone with the league first, um, especially that here's a player that um, was deemed healthy, was playing, um, you know, before the trade. You know, certainly he had the, the injury. And the surgery and missed a bunch of time here, but ironically, the so, team that he played before the trade was the Warriors. They played in Portland. Yeah, so, so you see, you've seen him up front. You think he's going to pass, and all of a sudden, you know, um, he hasn't recovered what you thought from that surgery. And in the course of talking with him, it comes up that you know what, I wasn't fully healthy, and you know there was been some you know medication, whether it be painkillers or whatever, that has basically got me through the last. I guess month, you know, playing here. So initially, that's I'm probably calling the league first to find out what the ramifications are. Um, I'm certainly calling Portland um, there. I mean, the, the hard part, and I, and I said this on Friday, is like once they did the deal, and it's you know you've got the trade deadline. You're like there's, there's no going back. So I'm sure the, the Warriors and Bob Myers are probably asking, hey, can this deal be amended? Can there be consequences instead of you know draft picks going to um, you know, us sending draft picks to Portland, um, you know, can we kind of, you know, take back as much as we can from the deal in the league was said no, right? There was there was no ifs, ands, and buts about that just because the deadline had passed already here. So now you've got to figure out, all right, what do we do next here? So do we, do we you know, as they, they didn't pass him, but they still went through with the trade, but, you know, lodge a complaint and hopefully a month, a month from now or a year from now that there's some type of compensation that's going to come back your way. I mean, that's that's where I kind of thought where it was going the whole way, because as you guys said, you know, you traded a player, James Wiseman, who has done nothing for you, was not going to do anything for you this year, likely was probably not going to do anything for you next year uh, in, a, in the last year of his contract. For the hope that in a month from now or two months from now that, that Gary Payton, who you had last year, can contribute on the court more than, than James Wiseman can. So, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those bizarre situations that you rarely see. I think just because I think because with the, I think that if this was in July or August, yeah, we we you know we probably get a, a deal to make. But because as I said, this deadline passed, there was there was basically you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. Um, based on the fact that. You know, the Warriors really were not in a position to 
sort of just renounce the trade and then get Wiseman back and then not use him anymore. The question does arise, you know, what what is Detroit getting and what is Detroit looking for in him that the Warriors either never saw or couldn't use? You know, that's a good question because when the, the deal got announced on um, Thursday, you know, there were so many moving parts that you really kind of, you know, you're really thinking about, all right, Gary's going to um, Gary's going to Golden State. Sadiq Bay is going to Atlanta, and then then all of a sudden you kind of like either that, like that night or like I might I think I might have woke up woken up in the middle of the night thinking, well, wait a minute, what does Detroit need four centers for? Right? Like you already got Jalen Duran, you've got Isaiah Stewart, Marvin Bagley here, and you're taking a flyer. I mean, that's probably what you're thinking. But what are your what's what's the body of work you're basing it off of? You know, is it the, whatever the three or four games at the University of Memphis? What you saw in you know periodically in Golden State and for a guy in Sadiq Bay that actually helped you. You rarely see a team trade a wing for a big. Uh, I mean, that's what Detroit did here, and they're they're hoping that you know. I mean, I thought Durant's a good player, and I thought he's their their their, their, um, their, their center of the future here, but. I guess they're hoping that, you know, at least in the next, you know, 20, 25 games or maybe even into the summer, they have a better understanding and it's, it's a, it's a low cost option. But as I said, it cost you, it wasn't like you just traded a second and you got him, you traded a good player in Speak Bay for him. Bobby Marks from ESPN here with Damon and Ratto. So it's going to take a long time probably for the dust to settle on all of this. But when the league comes back with whatever they conclude, what do you think that is? What actual punishment could Portland be looking at if it were determined that they were less than forthright in this negotiation? And I don't imagine that there's going to be any element of anything that actually helps the Golden State Warriors in that punishment. No, I mean, not released right now. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you'll probably see some type of fine. Um, you know, maybe, you know, Golden State's awarded a, a second round pick out of this. Maybe you get two. We saw it way back when, and, um, Jeff Green had gotten traded from Oklahoma City to Boston. This was, I think, 2011, 2012. And, um, there was, you know, a heart issue and, you know, it wasn't disclosed or, you know, where the, the, the Thunder doctors did not detect it. And it came up in the, in the, uh, in the Celtics physical with him and, and Boston was able to get a second round pick out of it. I think that's what you're going to do. You know, Portland will argue, hey, wait a minute, you know, this guy was healthy. We traded him, we saw him, you know, the day before here. And Golden State will argue, yeah, he was healthy. And the only reason why he was healthy because he was basically on painkillers um, to kind of mask the injury. That wasn't, and that part wasn't disclosed. I mean, like, you have to disclose everything. You know, I mean, I've been on so many trade calls, and, you, like, you, you, you have to... If, you, if a guy had a sprained ankle a year ago, you're disclosing it. If a guy's on type of medication, you're disclosing it. You just kind of have to cover all your bases. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I, the answer is technically unknowable, but I'd like your opinion on this. How can two NBA team doctors diagnose the same patient so differently? Like, how can one team be issuing a cleared-to-play, take-a-shot if there's discomfort, while the other team sees a multiple-month layoff? And I'm not even accusing of one being right and the other being wrong, but that just feels like a massively wide gap, does it not? Oh, it's massive. I mean, it's not like you came in with a sprained ankle and you were thinking, you know, he'll be back after the All-Star break. I mean... You know, it, it's anywhere probably from a month to two months. You know, maybe we see him in, in sometime in April right before the playoffs start. No, there's a there's a wide gap. And, you know, the Golden State's got uh, tremendous doctors, good, a great medical department, and, uh, and there's nothing against Portland here. But how does, how does, how does it go from one organization where they've deemed him healthy um, to another organization where he's been ruled out? Um, that's, you know, that's the big thing. Uh, that's, go- that's probably the unknown here. And, you know, eventually the league, you know, the league's going to investigate this, and we'll get we'll get a little bit more of an understanding. And you know, when that is, as I said, it could be a month from now, or it could be a year from now. Is um, not to beat this into the ground, but I'm curious as to whether this is a difference between two sets of doctors or two general managers who view a player's uh, situation differently. I mean, it, because it was it was said more than once that Peyton wasn't happy in Portland and wanted to go back to Golden State, which I can't imagine pleased Joe Cronin much. Um, and so I guess my question would be, is this Joe Cronin saying, well, you're going to have to tough this out because we need you to play now, rather than 
a, a medical issue? Is this just is this a general manager's issue more than it is a doctor's issue? Well, I think it you know I, I think it comes down to the player also. I mean, he's, Gary's a tough player. I mean, he's you know as you guys know his story and everything, and he's he's earned everything. And I think you get to a point where there's probably some pressure for you to get on the court. You were already out you know, however many games here and how do I get on the court? You know, is there, is there something, whether it be from a medical standpoint, medication that can kind of, you know, you know, help this injury. I'm still feeling discomfort here, but is there something there? And I think if you're Portland, you're thinking, well, you know, do we, you know, is, you know, is it the total? Is it in a, is it in a, um, a pill? You know, what's the long-term impact if they feel there's no long-term impact? Um, you know, you're going to play. So I think that's going to be, I'm, I'm just curious as far as when the league investigates and they talk to everyone involved here, you know, you know, what, if he did not take the painkillers, would he be cleared to play? I mean, that's, that's, you know, at the end of the day and from Golden State's perspective, as you guys know, is that he's not cleared to play. They've already ruled him out and, um, and we move forward. Knowing that the best time to get out of a bad investment is today, the second best time would be tomorrow, and the third worst option would be two days from now. How difficult is it still for a front office as proud as, as Bob Myers' has run like the Warriors have to just admit defeat on a player like Wiseman, who they took number two overall in only three years? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it really is. I mean, we all could play Monday morning quarterback and look at who was drafted after or, you know, throughout the draft here. And I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, we could, we could blame the COVID year where you basically had such little time to watch him play, scout, bring him in for, you know, basically, you know, interviews and, and workouts and, and all that stuff. I think him, you know, limited, as I said, limited body work at the University of Memphis. Yeah, I mean, the draft is, is one of the hardest things anybody can do. It's, an, it's not an exact science. And if James Wiseman didn't go at number two, he was probably going to go at number three or number four. And there was going to be another general manager uh, that, that took him here. So I think the one thing that you don't want to do is compound a, a, a situation where maybe you think that, you know, there's an upside here and now you're going to sign him to an extension or a long-term contract with the hope that he can evolve into that player. And now you're stuck with a, with a bad deal here. And yeah, no one ever wants to, you know, admit that you, you missed on a, on a top two pick, but Bob in the front office is not the first <laughs> and they're not going to be the last year. Bobby Marks, ESPN's NBA front office insider. Are you still a GM? If you could put together a poo poo platter of five second round picks. I mean, come on, that's insane. <laughs> I can't believe that Portland got five second round picks, I guess, right? For, um, I guess for, for Gary and, and, and part of that deal here. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting how it all evolved and, um, we all move on. And uh, I think it's a, I think it's a good lesson. And I know it's hard when we have, was a deadline involved here, but it'd be interesting if moving forward, if there's, you know, maybe this deal would have got, maybe if this deal got, got done on Monday. You know, maybe we're amending it on Wednesday and there's some changes here, but you guys have been around this a long time. Teams tend to wait until the last minute because they're waiting for the best deal or they're waiting for the, the deal to, um, to evolve. Or maybe the league looks at it here in this situation here where maybe we do have a little bit of a, a gray area where things could be amended based on, you know, circumstances, you know, situations like this. What do you think will be the long-term philosophical ramifications league-wide for the utter failure of the Brooklyn experiment? Oh, man. I think you have to be careful from a free agency standpoint. I think it's hard to build a roster. Um, listen, any any of, the, uh, any of the 30 teams would have signed Kyrie and Kevin in 2019. You know, they, if they had, if he had cap space, he didn't have to give up anything. I think how it works, and we've seen it in Boston with Pierce Garnett, Ray Allen, we saw it in Miami with, um, you know, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch is that, you know, and you, we've seen it in, in Golden State. Like, when you have your own homegrown players already situated there, and they know the lay of the land, they know the coach, they know the environment, they know the organization, they know the media here, that is almost like kind of a template for when you go out and sign a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving, but when you bring in or a James Harden in a trade, when you bring in all three, that have so many different personalities here, um, you know, it's, it's, it, does, it doesn't work. It, it showed it in here, and 
it's it's amazing, you know, if 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 there was never COVID, you know, what would have happened, right? Like we would never know but based on COVID, that Milwaukee series they lost in game seven, um, you know, hardened displeasure there. Kyrie, you know, the whole situation, you know, basically it was a perfect storm here and you know, Brooklyn basically kind of you know ripped the Band-Aid off at the trade deadline, and if they weren't going to rip it off at, at um, you know Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, eventually they're going to they were going to have to do it in, in late June here. So, yeah, it's the, you know the benefit is that you rec- you know, I guess you recruit what seven seven eight first round picks and you've got a nice player. But as you guys know, stars win in this league. I mean, stars win in this league as far as at the end of games here. Brooklyn's got a nice team, but there's no star on that team. There's no Kevin Durant. There's no you don't you need a closer in this league, and they don't have that right now. And there'll be another team out there that thinks that they can you know build a big three of maybe three free agents or three guys that are you know not you know from from that same ilk. Bobby, if the Suns, based on star power alone, have one free agency, who do you think came in second? Well, or the trade deadline, excuse talk, me. No, 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 I'm sorry, yeah, trade deadline. Yeah, that's okay. You know, I would say the, the Lakers, but with an asterisk, because I don't know if they have enough time on their side. I, you know, I like I liked everything they did. I, you know, I like the, you know, you know, the Barnabill, Beasley, Russell, Mo Bamba, you know, that whole group there, basically Westbrook out, um, balancing the roster here. Now, the hard part is that LeBron's out. They got the Hachimura early. Saturday. Um, I don't know if there's time enough on their side to get into the plane here. Uh, you know, they're going to have to basically go, I think, 19-9 and nine here to, to make some noise here. And I think it might be more of a move that sets them up for the offseason here. But I do like what they did. But I wish, you know, for their sake, they probably had another 25, 30 games. Bobby, we like what you do, man. You make the basketball world smarter at some of these, you know, interactions and how things come together and fall apart. And we thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Bobby Marks from ESPN, their NBA front office insider. And I mean, he's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. He knows the league. He knows the talent. He knows the lay of the land. Didn't work out for him in the front office. You know, I mean, it's no. just... It's amazing how often the NBA spits out someone who really knows what they're doing from that position. Well, they usually spit out guys that know what they're doing because there aren't that many stupid people below the ownership level. Because what happened in Brooklyn was owner-driven. And it was driven, A, by wanting to have the entire smorgasbord of talent and then hating what he got. And after he after he ate the meal, he wanted to return it to the chef. So that that's what happened. That's what happened with Joe Tsai and the Nets. What happened in Golden State was a an error in judgment based on exigent circumstances that they probably won't get another chance to to have again. And even if they get a second round draft choice out of this. Um, the only way that this ends up looking like a good deal is if they get magic from Gary Payton a second time. Because it almost doesn't matter what Wiseman does at this point. If he's if he's a failure, they'll just say, well, you guys took him first. If he's suddenly superb, they look bad for not figuring out what to do with him. So their only avenue out of this is, frankly, for Peyton to be what he was last year. And that seems to me to be a pretty huge ask. Yeah. I mean, he just wasn't moving necessarily well when we did see him play. How much will he be moving when we get around to seeing him? And remember, if the whole point is he might be ready for the playoffs, how hard is it going to be to just jump right into the playoffs and pick up where you left off when you hadn't played with the team since the NBA Finals the year prior. I mean, that's that's a that's a tough ask for everyone involved. Yeah, I don't. You know, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't venture a guess, but I would imagine that what we're talking about here is somebody who's going to ease in slowly, and he may not be up to speed in time to save the Warriors. Speaking of smorgasbord of talent, would you like to hear what is on paper the single worst NBA dunk contest ever planned 
for an all-star game? Have you seen this year's dunk contest list? I have seen that it's not good. I have, I can't tell you specifically, but I bet you couldn't tell me specifically which teams these players came from. KJ Martin of the Houston Rockets, Trey Murphy the third of the New Orleans Pelicans. Are you in? Are uh, either of those names tempt you? No. Trey Murphy the third or KJ Martin? Well, then you're going to plunk down huge money. To see Jericho Sims. What team do you think Jericho Sims plays for? I Tiny little, don't get much coverage, small market team, New York Knicks. Mac McClung. Just signed. Of your Philadelphia Kate Scotts. Mac McClung. By the way, I'm going to tell you right now, take every... Penny that you have and bet on Mac McClung to win this dunk contest because I heard they like white boys in the state of Utah. The white boy is going to win this dunk contest because it's in Utah. Watch it happen, Ray. I know how these whites think. I'm one of them. Okay. You are too. Mac McClung's carrying the day. All he needs to do is get above the rim once. They're going to give him a 12-minute long standing ovation. I see you, Utah. You're not fooling me. (laughs) Michael Jordan versus Dominique Wilkins is the stuff of NBA legend. And by the way, Dominique won that dunk contest in Chicago Stadium. But like they like white boys in Utah. They liked Michael Jordan in Chicago. So there is no way. Dominique could have literally jumped over an entire herd of elephants. It wouldn't have mattered. It was, they were going to give it to Michael. And Michael was pretty damn good. But Dominique was even better. K.J. Martin, Trey Murphy III, Mac McClung, and Jericho Sims. Tell me... The NBA is as good as it used to be. You can't. The NBA All-Star Game. The dunk contest. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. The minute stars started opting out of it, it rendered the entire dunk contest lousy. I'm sorry. That's just, that's terrible. Now, maybe we actually get a level of unknown wow, but, I mean, you can take your level of unknown wow and stick it right where NBA All-Star tickets are priced. Well, why would a why would a good player engage in that? I mean, what, what's what's the hook here? Because dunks are a part of basketball culture that allows your profile to raise in a world where cool is part of the currency of your career. Who won the dunk contest last year? Can't remember. It Who hasn't won- been relevant for years now. That's my point. It's just that, but it was rendered irrelevant. Because all the cool cats said, I'm too cool for that school. Well, yeah, because there's nothing in it for him. I mean, you know, who, who's, who's the best dunker in the NBA right now? Uh, the best dunker in basketball. It's a great question. Right now. It is a good question. It's right? a good question because the answer is nobody knows. Jaw? Jaw throws down some incredibly violent in-game dunks. And to me, there needs to be a level of violence in a dunk for it to be great. But what are people watching for then if nobody can remember who won the dunk contest? They're watching for guys pulling up from 30 and making it. It's your boy Obi Toppin who won it last year. The game has changed. Okay, who won last year's three-point contest? I don't know. Carl Anthony Towns. 9-1. Great bet. But what you can see every night because you can see every game if you want to you can see Stephen Curry you can see uh, Trey Young you can see all the things that you're going to see in the skills competition on a nightly basis in a competition that matters far more than who gets a plastic trophy at an all-star right but that's not what the all-star game is so I can't let I can't offer you it's an NBA game that's not what it is well no I understand you're trying to take a universe that doesn't exist but that's why players don't engage in it anymore well then why even go to the NBA all-star game 
You get because the only thing that's good about the NBA All Star Game is being named to the team. That's it. And then after that, it's done. That's the problem with All Star Games now when everybody plays everybody else and everybody can see every game. The mystery is gone. Aaron Gordon, is he the best dunker in basketball right now? He's among them. I know that he and Zach Levine had a hell of an NBA dunk contest, and the guy who had the best dunk didn't win it. I think Aaron Gordon should have won that one. They gave it to Levine. Or is it the other way around? Again, it does. I guess it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, I mean that. That to me is. The, I mean that's the that's the giveaway. It's that none of this stuff matters to the players. So why would it matter to the fans? Because the minute you put stars back in there, it would matter. Because that's how basketball works. It's how NBA but, basketball works. When Vince Carter won the dunk contest in Oakland. He did things that no one will ever forget that night. Yeah. So when the right player does something, not only does it matter, it goes down in NBA lore, in history, in his memories that bring you back as a fan when you're an adult 30 years later. But why, but why, are, the, why are the Vince Carters opting out now? That's the question. They're opting out because it doesn't mean anything to them. It, but here's the thing. They don't, it's not even, it doesn't mean anything to them. It's that it doesn't mean anything to LeBron. If it meant something to LeBron, they would all fall in line. You'd have guys falling over each other trying to get into the dunk contest. And why would a 40-year-old guy? It didn't matter to LeBron in, in his, he, he, LeBron has never taken place in the dunk contest. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, you know, and, and it's not just LeBron. I just think players in general aren't interested in it anymore. And that's why you have Mac McClung and KJ Martin. I'm going to tell you right now, Mac McClung can throw it down with some violence. Well, then. He's going to win this thing. I guess you should find your enjoyment in that. But no, the, the, the NBA's All Star game stopped mattering well before the year that the West rolled up 190 points. It's just. It's not compelling entertainment anymore. No, it's 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 a it's an undefended three-point shooting and dunk contest. That's the thing. There's enough of a dunk contest in the game where you don't even need to have your own separate dunk contest. Here's the deal. Here's where they got it wrong. Allowing guys in the All-Star Games dunk contest who ain't All-Stars. The field should be made up of guys who are participating in the All-Star Game. And if you can't field a dunk contest from the guys in the actual game, you shouldn't have it. By the way, pitchers and catchers are reported in spring training in like the next 24 hours. All of baseball is reported within the next 24 hours. I think we had a couple trickle-ins yesterday, more trickle-ins today. Everybody's reporting for, for duty by tomorrow. Ray, happy baseball. I don't even know why I still like it, but I do. <laughs> like, no, it... it at its essence, it is still fascinatingly different from all the other sports. But we hate difference now. That's why people slag on baseball all the time. That's why they put in this new round of rules. Because they are trying to appeal to people who don't like the game. They're, uh, they're going to really implement balk watch. Did you read that today? Oh, yeah. So now Kevin Gossman's double tap of that foot is a balk every time he did it. Who was the closer? Was it Billy Wagner who had the double tap? Oh, there have been yeah, there have been a number of guys who did that. I mean, Luis Luis Tiant would have multiple balks on every pitch. Every pitch. Bartolo Colon would have multiple. I mean, have you seen this new stupid base that they're rolling out? Base the size of a king size California king pillow. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, what, the pizza box? Yeah, that's what Alex Cora called it, the manager of the Red Sox. No, they've changed rules because they think the game is out of fashion with people who don't like the game. So what do you, who are you marketing to? You're marketing to nobody. And that's the, that's the general essence of baseball's attempt to become relevant. No, and I, I mean, I, it's I just, it's, no, no, we're going to put, we're going to put imaginary runners on second because nobody likes games that go into the 12th inning. No, not everybody doesn't like them. And the people who don't like them either tend to not watch the game at all or turn it off in the 10th inning. Just go, I'm tired for tonight. It's okay if they walk away. You don't have to have everything end in three hours. 
And even at that, baseball's failed at that. Last year, their average time was 3.05. It was down six minutes from the year before. But they don't know how to shorten the game, so now they've got the pitch clock. They think everything's got to end in 2.20 because that's the thing that people don't like well, about a, baseball. Here's the deal. If we were inventing a sport for modern times, the last sport we would invent would be baseball. Maybe, but... Baseball will never fit uh, on TikTok. Baseball will never fit on Twitter. Baseball will never fit in a uh, five-second bite. And if you have no attention span, it ain't the sport for you. And we are literally raising generations of children with completely warped attention spans based on all the mixed media messages they're constantly being fed since you know the, the, the first time they hold a smartphone. So... It's, it's nuts. I mean, I really don't like what's happened to the game. I don't like what's happened to some of its parks, its uniforms in some cases, the constant rule tinkering, the constant now base tinkering, and the actual ground rule tinkering, the over-dependence on math and launch angles and pitch counts and openers and all the things that lead to fewer great plays being made in the field of play and on the base paths, which were a huge point of entertainment and since it's gone away there's really been nothing to fill that entertainment i can't stand the way baseball fails to market its stars the game the cost that fans have to pay to attend these games are ridiculous i hate how baseball has allowed the a's to become what they've actually become like baseball just signed off on an owner killing his own team's appeal in a region so completely that A.J. Puck was moved on Saturday. Did you even know that, anyone? How many A's fans didn't even know that A.J. Puck got traded this weekend? A's fans did. All six of them? With all, that's, that's a different part of the coin, which is that they've made being an A's fan difficult. Which is counter, counterproductive to what baseball ought to be. And yet, Rob Manfred, who works for the owners, not for the game, says, well, what do you need, John? Okay, I'll fly out and I'll have another press conference where I'll just say, this is intolerable. You know, baseball has to solve this problem in Oakland. You know what? The problem in Oakland is not Oakland. The problem in Oakland is John Fisher. Period. You're not moving the team because nobody else wants it. So maybe it's time to start leaning on John and say, John, maybe you should just take the $2 billion you're going to get and go buy an island. And here's the crazy thing. Like, the Coliseum could work. The Coliseum could be a pug. So dumpy and ugly, it's kind of adorable. It could be that. It really could. All it needs is a little elbow grease, just a little bit of care, just a fresh coat of paint. I mean, if I were an owner and, you know, like, well, it's not really yours to do that with. It's the city and county of Alameda. I would go in there at midnight with a bucket of green and gold paint and do it myself. Have the city of Alameda County sue me because I put a can of paint in the Coliseum. And I mean, like, I love the whole last dive bar element of that place. Those guys, that the crew out there, the last dive bar guys for the A's, they're great. They're great, and they got a great idea. They should have made that place an awesome, easy to come on in, general admission, up close, low cost look at baseball that every got people interested in going again. They could have done that. The, the the Coliseum, the A's had so much potential. They just let it all rot and die. The Coliseum didn't have to be the worst stadium in baseball. They wanted it that way. And I hate so much about a sport that I used to love, yet I have to admit I still love it. I don't know why. It's an abusive relationship. I'm Tina. I can't leave Ike. Well, the, 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 the funny thing is Bill Veck said, said this when he owned the St. Louis Browns in the 50s. He just said, baseball must be the greatest game of all, given how it has survived all the attempts of the people who claim to love it to make it, to make it work. You know, spring training used to be special. I mean, you know, here's the thing. We talked about our, you know, what we love about sports. Here it is, Valentine's Day. Ray, I don't know how romantic you get about anything, but I bet you there was a time where you actually liked going to spring training because it was a great, up-close, intimate look and a chance to really get into some stories that you were interested in telling throughout the entirety of a baseball season. 
it really used to be an incredibly valuable tool. Now it's been so commodified and sold. It's essentially, the, a spring training ticket is almost as expensive as a playoff game. Oh no! Because it's ridiculous. They, they wrapped it. They wrapped it into the notion that oh no, this has got to be a vacation. You got to plan for it. And you got to be ready to pay for it. Um, it's like the the walk up crowd. Nobody ever talks about this, but that's done a huge amount of damage to the notion of the game, which is hey, what are you doing this afternoon? Why don't we play hooky from work and go out and watch the game? Well, no, sorry, we tickets are already spoken for because we had to operate through StubHub or one of the secondary market people. And we don't usher except for what we know is coming anymore. So if you're going to go to an afternoon game on a whim, you know, which we don't really want you to do, there's an excellent chance you'll be standing in a bunch of lines. You know, it's they've done the kind of business that suggests that what they really want more than anything else is guaranteed income that doesn't require that you have to have a crowd present. They want the money up front, and whether you're at the game or on your couch means nothing to them. I hate it, but I still do. I, I love the game of baseball. It's one of my favorite things to have on my radio or my TV. I just, I get so mad at it. I get so angry at it. It is an abusive relationship, but I can't I can't leave. And I'm 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 looking forward to on a Wednesday afternoon where we're starting to invent things to talk about because the first half of the NBA season has come to a standstill and we got an all-star break upon us for the Warriors. Ray, tomorrow we got some Giants previews. There we do an A's preview. You ready to talk a little baseball tomorrow? Eh? I'm on it. <laughs> I wish it were better. Hey, two more NFL notes to pass along to you here. We got coaches settling everywhere. Do you see that the Colts canceled Saturday Night Live? No more Jeff Saturday. That's over. Gee, it was such a noble experiment, too. Uh, Shane Steichen. Did I say that right? Steichen. Steichen. Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen was named the Colts' new head coach this morning. He's only 37 years old, and he was born in Sacramento. Who knew? He went to Oak Ridge High School in El Dorado Hills. I don't know he was from the Bay Area. I don't think you've ever counted Sacramento as part of the Bay Area. Well, Northern California, maybe I should say. I didn't know he was a Northern California guy. Yeah, well... You didn't know who he, he was a week ago, because nobody did. Now we do. He's the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Meanwhile, the uh, don't call us St. Louis Cardinals, because we play in Arizona Cardinals, have a new head coach. Five-year deal for 40-year-old Jonathan Gannon, who just saw his defensive uh, Eagles unit get obliterated in the second half of the Super Bowl. Uh, how about fading the Eagles just on coaching losses alone going into next year? This is probably the most talented the team that they ever had. They did get to the Super Bowl, which is nothing to apologize for. But how they're just supposed to go back to the Super Bowl with Sirianni and a new coordinator on both sides of the ball? I wouldn't bet on that. I wouldn't bet on either team going back to the Super Bowl just because teams don't go back back-to-back -back very much anymore. I mean, that's a, that's a hard nut to do for any number of reasons. But I, it's always interesting to see that the guy that Patrick Mahomes just pantsed in the Super Bowl got himself a job just the way the last time Patrick Mahomes did that, that guy got a job. So Patrick Mahomes... He not only wins football games, he bestows employment on others. Did you also see that he broke a huge trend? Uh, if you were betting the Super Bowl, fading that year's MVP, should he be quarterbacking the Super Bowl, was a really good play. Uh, you had to go back to 1999 to find a player named MVP win a Super Bowl. That was Kurt Warner. He was the last MVP to win a Super Bowl. And after that... 
fading the MVP was 9-0. and Kurt Warner. He was the last MVP to win it, and then he was the first MVP to actually lose it. He did that to Tom Brady as uh, he was giving birth to the Patriots dynasty all the way back in 2001. Rich Gannon named MVP in 2002. He takes the L. Sorry, Raiders fans. Sean Alexander in 05. He takes the L. Uh, Adrian Peterson is the last uh, running back to be named MVP, by the way, that happened in 2012. So, Sean Alexander. They used to get, they used to give these things to running backs too, kids. It used to happen. Uh, Tom Brady in 07 took a Super Bowl loss. Manning in 09 and in 2013 named MVP in both years. Loss, loss. Cam Newton in 2015 took a loss at Levi Stadium. Matt Ryan in 2016 took a loss. Kyle Shanahan, don't want to be asked about it. Uh, Brady in 2017, MVP. He takes a loss. Mahomes Mahomes was named MVP last Thursday. He found himself a win in the Super Bowl. So there's nothing he can't do, Ray. Nothing he can't do. He's breaking defenses and betting trends. You got to respect that. He's okay. You ready for a sports Valentine's when we come back? Can you think of something you actually love about sports you want to tell us about in the final segment of today's show? Absolutely not. Oh, there's got to be some element of this that you like. Yeah, but nothing I want to share. Okay, well, I have enough self-confidence to open the kimono and bear myself to this audience. You just made people throw up in their cars. I hope you're proud of yourself. My sports valentine when we come on back and uh, a little note on another absolute freaking tragedy bestowed uh, upon us. So that's how we're going to wrap up today's show, and we're going to do it next year on 95.7 The Game. Damon and Ratto, all the content we got, you can find on the Odyssey app, and we want to let you know that Warriors Live is coming up next year on 95.7 The Game, brought to you by Xfinity. Supercharge your Wi-Fi with unbeatable internet only from Xfinity. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now. 
now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. So let me tell you, we officially got a lot coming up for you here on 95.7 The Game. We got Warriors and Clippers. No Andrew Wiggins. Hopefully, Clay Thompson can give them what they need tonight. He'll be playing in his first back-to-back since back-to-back devastating injuries, and that's worth a a Valentine that I'll have for Clay here in just a second. But uh, what's coming up next, brought to you by Fremont Bank. We got Warriors Live with John Dickinson ahead of Warriors and Clippers tonight from down in Los Angeles. We want to thank George Sedano and Bobby Marks for joining us here today. Both were great. We had an awful lot of uh, basketball to talk about. And tomorrow we will hopefully get some real answers about the failed James Wiseman experiment from Steve Kerr, who is scheduled to join us live at 5 tomorrow. I know that we're going to have Peter King on with us, sort of doing an NFL State of the Union wrap-up the year show. And uh, looking forward to all that tomorrow. Ray, we got in you know, our respective cars to go home last night. And I saw the news about the shooting at Michigan State. I tell you, you know, the police identified the 43-year-old man who killed three students, wounded five others. Uh, five are still in critical care. The monster who did this then took his own life. Too bad he didn't just start his day doing that, if you don't mind me saying. Um... I got friends who are, have kids old enough who are students at Michigan State. I have a friend whose son goes there, and I know another friend and his, his nephew goes there. And I'm happy to say that they're, they're fine today, but we're scared as hell last night. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. Un, unbelievable. One of the students who was talking about what she went through last night was also a student at, at Sandy Hook. Do you see that? This yeah. 21-year-old woman has already lived through two... School shootings, one elementary school and one in college. Just unbelievable. How sad, man. It's disgusting how not news this is. Like Michigan State wasn't even trending this morning. I, I got to admit, I'm guilty of it. I said, oh, only five? It's not bad. What a sad state of conditioning we've been put into. People have become numb to this topic. Shame on us. Shame on us all. Well, I mean, shame on the, shame on the people who don't want to do anything to stop it. Shame on the people who literally think that this is too important a wedge issue in their own political games to accept the fact that if you're willing to argue about the politics of this, what you're really doing is you're willing to bargain away lives. And here's the thing. I'm not some uh, San Francisco left-leaning absolute wussy. I grew up around guns. I grew up shooting guns. I grew up going to gun ranges. Uh, I am pro-gun. I am pro-safe, responsible gun ownership. All I ask is that obtaining a gun be at least as difficult as obtaining a driver's license. Doesn't feel like a radical ask, does it not? Oh, I mean, it, it, obtaining a gun is as easy as buying a six-pack. It's ridiculous. And they don't ask for ID very often. So, no, it's just... It, until we want to take care of that, then what we're telling, not just the next generation, but our own generation, is, yeah, life's cheap. There's more of you. We can replace you. That's what they're saying. Yeah. No, the gun debate basically ended when Sandy Hook happened and we're like, yeah, we're good. And yet people still want to argue whether it existed or not. It's just disgusting. We, we, don't, we, we value the argument more than we value life. Period. It's sad. It's, it's very, very sad. Um, want to wrap up on a nice note. I got a sports Valentine's for Clay Thompson, Ray. Do you realize that he got 27 points a night in the month of January? That's one of the strongest months of his entire career, and he's getting 24 a night so far in February. He is starting to become the player he hoped he could find every single day when he was rehabbing those two devastating injuries. It's starting to happen. He's back to being a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. He's looking springier, springier. He's jumping better. He's getting his legs back. And with the legs will eventually come the defensive speed, the lateral speed. And I'm willing to bet you right now, if this trajectory continues to climb upward, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, he can be the point-of-attack defender that he used to be. Or can at least be a decent impression 
of that defender. And if he can, the Warriors get better. No question. The I don't know how realistic it is to expect this to continue to trend upward. But I think what you've seen in the last month and change is really quite good enough that if this is what he is from here on out, he's a guy who gets to start every game and he's a guy who gets to play 35, 36, 37 minutes a game because he can, because he's earned it. Not just for you know deeds done in the past, but for what he's doing now. He's a, he's a, if this turns out to be all he is right now, he won. Cooked clay is what people feared. Rebuilt, reborn clay is what I think we are now more likely looking at than some player who is. How about this? I think he is for the first time in the recovery of his career process starting to look more like the glass is half full than me seeing it as the glass is now half empty. And that is incredible based on what he has been through, the team that he has returned to, that isn't half as good as the one that he left when he got injured. Um, Hopefully this continues to progress. So there you go. Let's hand someone the bouquet while they're still around to smell them. Clay, keep it up, man. And he's going to play tonight. And that is a significant step forward as he tries to build it all back. There is no doubt about that. So good luck to him. Good luck to the Warriors. It is a road game. So by definition, Ray, they could use it. Let's see what they look like against a rebuilt Clippers team tonight. We'll be talking about it tomorrow. Happy Valentine's Day, sweetie. Yeah, okay. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.